you know, that traumatic experience is still in my mind. But it's just one of those things that regardless of how I felt, I just had to do it anyway. And that's what I would suggest for anyone out there who, who feels like they've tried everything under the sun when it comes to managing anxiety, nothing has worked. Then my response to that is, I don't care, do it anyway. My friend, welcome back. If you are new here, I'm Jen Chan, your host of the podcast Find Joy with Joyen. Thank you for joining us every week for the most authentic, courageous, and powerful connections with a lot of fun. Thank you for showing up for yourself today to continue to learn and grow, to live a life with joy, passion, purpose, and success in your own style on your own terms. And today's guest is a professional speaker and a speech coach. From his decades of experience as a professional speaker, working with organizations such as University of Alabama at Birmingham, Southern Company, State Farm Insurance, and many others, he has seen firsthand where people fall short in public speaking, and how those deficiencies limit them and the organizations they serve. Therefore, he is inspired to help leaders, employees, and students to develop powerful public speaking techniques that improve professional and organizational results. He shows his clients how to use four questions to determine what is important to an audience, discover 11 ways to manage anxiety, uncover the secret to holding an audience's attention without being an entertainer, become skilled at managing and responding to difficult questions, use storytelling to maximize negotiations, practice how to start, and conclude presentations with a bang. So he's here today to empower you to become a great and confident public speaker like nobody else. So guys, help me and welcome my new friend, the one and only Patrick O'Mara. If you have been listening to this podcast, then you will know I'm a big believer of the universe and the law of attraction. So I'm happy to welcome one of our new sponsors, Get the Law of Attraction. They are a spiritual, inspirational company that gives you something really good like chocolate chip cookies to feed your soul and your mind every single day. They provide daily Instagram posts and reels on the universe, gratitude and spirituality for your headache life. They also have an educational course on the law of attraction and gratitude and their links are in the show notes below. Please follow and support them, DM them on Instagram with promo code JOYAN, J-O-Y-A-N, for some valuable free gifts and discounts. Hi Patrick, welcome to the show. I'm, I'm so happy and so thank you so much for being here today. You're welcome, glad to be here. You know, I love that on your website because I was doing my research and on your website, I love that because you use the the setting out of a computer, you know, using a manual guide as a metaphor for public speaking. And I love that because it's so true, because if we have a proven to work, step-by-step, easy-to-follow guide for public speaking, then I think it will save so many people's lives because most people, they fear public speaking more than they fear death. So I'm so grateful to have you on our show today to share your tips and, you know, your experiences to becoming a great public speaker and how to deliver engaging presentation as well. So, but the very first place, you know, I want to start with you is to actually talk about the fear of public speaking itself. So why do you think so many people are afraid of public speaking? Because, you know, we can talk to people on a daily basis, right? But when it comes to public speaking, all of a sudden we forget how to even speak. And so what is the, what is the actual fear behind the fear of public speaking? I'm sure there's some kind of scientific rationale or definition or whatever the case is, but here's what I believe. I believe it's a, there are two reasons why most people or a lot of people become anxious or nervous when it comes to public speaking. And, and I think it's simply this. I think number one, there's not a lot of people that do a lot of public speaking. So number one, you're doing something you don't do very often. And number two, you're doing something in front of a lot of people. And oftentimes those people are decision makers, or have some authority or, you know, whatever the case is, my dog decided to join me. 
And um, so, you know, so it, it, that becomes, I think, a recipe for just any kind of anxiety. You know, for example, I may not feel anxious or nervous if I'm going to have to change a tire on my car. But if I have to change a tire in my car and I, I don't do it that very often, then I'll feel a little uncomfortable. And if I have to do it in front of 50 people who are judging me on the quality of me changing my tire, I'm going to naturally feel nervous. Thank you so much. I, yeah, because so do you think we should uh, do more public speaking in order to overcome the fear? So what are some of the ways to overcome public speaking and the anxiety and nervousness? Well, there's a number of things that I could suggest and, and all of them I'm speaking from personal experience because I can tell you sincerely that there's no one out there that gets more nervous about public speaking than me. So this is something I deal with all the time. So in spite of the fact that I do a lot of public speaking, you know, I, I still get anxious. I mean, I haven't slept in two days just thinking about this broadcast. So, you know, that's just one of those things that I just have to deal with. And that being said, there's some things that I've found that do help me manage it. And I say manage strategically because it's really not a matter of eliminating fear. You know, I, I've been teaching public speaking development classes to corporate America, as well as university students at the undergraduate and graduate level for probably 12, 13 years. And I say that to simply say that I get nervous before every presentation. And here's some of the things that I've done that have helped me manage my anxiety because people have told me, you know, when it comes to what do you want to do to uh, uh, to improve your public speaking skills, probably the number one response I get is help me eliminate my fear when it comes to public speaking. And I'll start with that because I don't think it's a matter of eliminating it. I think it's a matter of managing it because big picture is fear is healthy, fear is natural. And I think if you're feeling fearful in these circumstances, your body is just responding naturally. So from a, a strategy standpoint, probably the number one thing most people are thinking about is preparation. And I, I think about, you know, you want to make sure you've done your homework. You have a kind of a sense for what you're talking about. You kind of have a sense for what the people are looking for and, you know, what uh, what topics you want to cover. And without preparation, you know, that's kind of a, a recipe for a difficult time. I think the second thing, which is kind of uh, which is maybe more unusual, is I think you want to do what I call an audience analysis. Uh, Join any time I do a presentation and most of my stuff, most of my things are two day public speed development workshops. I'm always going to send out a pre-class survey and I'm essentially going to ask people four questions and I'm going to ask them. For, so, for example, if you're attending one of my one of my programs, I'm going to ask you four questions. I'm going to ask you, Joanne, first of all, what are the top three things you're most interested in learning in a public speaking class? So you'll provide me feedback. I'll ask you my second question what are you least interested in learning? You know, you'll tell me what you don't care about. The third question I'll ask you is, Joanne, what would I have to do for you to feel like this has been the best class you've ever attended in your life? So I want to find out what in your mind is a home run for me. And then I'll ask you to share any other thoughts or comments. And that being said, I may get 50% of the responses back if I have the opportunity to email people. But what that does is that helps me go show up at the class and rather than me guessing what you, the folks want to, to talk about when it comes to public speaking, which is such a broad topic, I've got a pretty good I've got a pretty good idea. I know what the kind of the stuff generally you want to focus on. I know kind of the stuff you want to stay away from. And simply put, to sum that up, because of the fact that I, I'm going in there with a sense for what the folks are looking for and what they're not, essentially I've won the battle before it's fought. So that does a lot to lower my anxiety. I'll give you three last thoughts or tips. One is, and, and let me have you, and I'm gonna ask you to have you play along with me on this one. I'm gonna share with you what I call an audience-centered introduction. So oftentimes the anxiety when we deliver a presentation is gonna be at the, the worst or the peak when we first start the presentation, the first few minutes of the presentation. And then oftentimes we tend to settle in. So that being said, Oftentimes what I'll do is I'll start my programs off with what I call is an audience centered introduction. So in other words, so for example, today, if you're in my class, I might say something like, uh, I'd like to start things off by having you. And if you're, are you sitting, it looks like you're sitting in a chair right now. So I'm going to have you yeah. take your right leg and I want to have you take your right leg and spin it going clockwise. So spin your okay. right leg going clockwise. All right, good. Now take your right arm, draw number six in the air. And see if you can keep that leg spinning in the same direction. Okay. All right. So your leg spinning clockwise. 
Draw yeah. number six, look down to see if your leg is still spinning clockwise. Nope. It's not. It's all right. I know. It's okay. That, and that's just reality. I can't do it either. So point being, that could be an example of an audience-centered introduction. In other words, I may start my presentation off with a couple of you know comments, just a, a, a comment here or there like I did. You know, I'm gonna, I, I jump right into, let me have you go ahead and start spinning your right leg clockwise. And then I walk you through the instructions. So basically my point is, once you start doing that, you become oblivious to me, the speaker. And while that's happening, I am actually getting more comfortable while in the front of the group. So essentially what happens is I can use that time where I have you essentially distracted doing something else. I can be up in front of the group getting more comfortable. And, and, and the idea there is I'm not going to also, I'm not going to do that just to do it. I'm going to do that with a purpose. I'm going to do that and I'm going to tie it to some kind of a point that's going to set us off or establish a theme from our message. So that'd be the second, the, the third or fourth strategy. Another one that kind of ties to that is just recognize the reality of, you know, go swimming. So for example, if you go swimming, you know, my guess is you probably jumped in the water. The pool has been cold. Is that right? Yeah. Okay. So that being said, you know, did you vow not to go back in the water the rest of the day, or did you stay in the water because you knew after a few minutes, you'd get used to the water? What did you do? Well, we'll stay in the water. Yeah, exactly. That's just how it works. And the same thing I believe is true of a presentation where your first few minutes, it may be a shock to your system. You know, you're not used to the water yet. So the strategy you can utilize is by getting the audience to do something it distracts them, but you want to, again, you want to do it with a purpose or intent, not just to do it, but you, you want to have them do something and then tie it to a point. But the idea is that while you're having them do something, then you're getting used to the water without them aware of it. You know, oftentimes I'll start a lot of my public speaking development classes off by uh, having them uh, try and break the world record for the most number of finger snaps in 60 seconds. But then again, I'll tie that to a point that will establish a theme for my entire message. So it's a great way to start a presentation off. The last two things I'll say is this, number one or number five, I don't know what number I'm on, but I will say that you wanna go ahead and develop strong material. And I think very, just similar to like, you know, uh, I don't know, do you have children? No. Okay, all right. Well, you know, obviously a lot of people do and, you know, and grades are important, you know, with children. And so when the, the child gets a good, you know, good grades, they come home with maybe a straight A report card, they probably can't wait to share it with their family. Now, conversely, if they come home with really poor grades, they're not gonna wanna share it. And I believe the same thing happens with a speech, which simply says, if I have great material, I'll be more inclined to wanna share it. On the other hand, if my material is, is not very good, I'll be less inclined, which means my anxiety is gonna go up. And here's my last point. And I feel kind of embarrassed admitting this, but it's true. I don't do shots. Now, I don't mean the drinking kind of shot. I mean like the needle. I don't, I'm the kind of person and I'm embarrassed to admit this, Joanne, but I pass out when I have to get a shot or give blood. I mean, I don't really, quite frankly, I don't give blood. You have to take it from me. And it's just a, a bad experience. So as an adult, of course, I have had to have had shots and I've had to you know, have IVs and, and, you know, those kinds of things from time to time, just as an adult, that's just a reality. So my point with that, and my last comment is this, my last strategy is for anybody out there who tells me, well, you know, I just can't seem to overcome my fear or anxiety when it comes to public speaking. My response to that is I don't care because the bottom line is sometimes as adults, we have to do things that we don't want to do. And this is just one of those moments that regardless of how you feel about it, go up there and do it. And quite frankly, that's the only thing that gets me going back to my doctor once a year for a physical is just kind of some tough talk. And I almost have to get angry at myself to say, you know what? So I don't care how you're going to hate the next hour. That's okay. Go out there and man up and go ahead and get your shot. Get, you know, give your, do your blood test and, you know, get your cookie and you can go ahead and leave and, and you, you know, and then wait till, you know, wait it out till next year. And that's exactly what happens. I just gave blood or did my blood test back in uh, November. So, you know, that traumatic experience is still in my mind, but it's just one of those things that regardless of how I felt, I just had to do it anyway. And that's what I would suggest for anyone out there who, who feels like, 
they've tried everything under the sun when it comes to managing anxiety, nothing has worked, then my response to that is, I don't care, do it anyway. I love that because, you know, so often when we think of, uh, when we see people like yourself, you know, a professional public speaker, who has been speaking for years, we thought you, you don't feel the fear anymore. You know, you don't get nervous or anxious before hitting that big stage or whatsoever. But the truth is you get anxious still, you know, you still get anxious, right? And I think that is really a surprise for a lot of people because they think they have to eliminate, like you said, the fear in order to do, become a great public speaker or whatever, you know, like to deliver a presentation or to speak in front of people. But that is not really the truth. So what I'm hearing from you is that you really have to feel the fear and do it anyway because the only way to overcome fear is to do the things that you fear period right that's my my belief as well so thank you so much um now what to do if you are now because this is another fear that a lot of people have right okay let's say i prepared my my i know what i'm going to say right i have done my preparation i've done my practice in front of the mirror a couple of times but what if now you're standing on the stage and your mind just went blank and suddenly you forget everything that you have practiced in front of the mirror. What do you want to say? You know, what should we do? Well, one of the things which is kind of ironic is, you know, I, like I said, I've been doing, uh, you know, public speaking development workshops for more than a decade. And that being said, I, I've probably done anywhere from 50 to a hundred workshops, even with this one particular company. Yet I always go in there with my notes. I have like a five page outline of my topics, you know, and, and when you asked me too about, you know, this, this some steps for and strategies for managing anxiety, I, I kind of looked around, it's like, I, I can give you like 12 steps, but I almost feel like I got to have my notes there to kind of just glimpse at and what have you, because I'm trying to remember this off the top of my head. So my answer is, I think it's, it's helpful and, and certainly not inappropriate in any way you know, to have, whether it's going to be a note card or, you know, a, a sheet that uh, you have with your outline of content. And here's what this will look like. So let's say, for example, I'm in that situation, I'm live in front of a bunch of people. I forgot what I'm going to say. What I'm going to do is I'm just going to simply look down, but rather than me, which oftentimes happens, rather than me going, oh, let's see here. Um, yeah. And then the the other thing is, you know, rather than me doing that, what I'm going to do, and this will actually feel even more awkward, it'll take even more courage, but it'll be even more impactful and help demonstrate a presence and sense of confidence. If I, if I get lost, I'm just going to stop talking. All right, number two, blah, blah, blah. So I'm going to stop talking for however long I need to regain my composure and, and the audience will wait. And ironically, even though maybe that feels like a mistake, Ironically, you're actually enhancing your credibility, your confidence. And if you've ever felt like, boy, that speaker just seemed to have a presence about them, part of that comes from the fact that they're comfortable with silence. So that'd be my recommendation. Well, I didn't know that. Thank you so much for sharing that. So now another thing is that I know you you help your clients with, you know, managing and responding to difficult questions. So when you let's say when you are being put on a spot, you know, when someone asks a question that was kind of offending or kind of awkward or embarrassing in that very moment when everyone was holding their breath, you know, and you can feel the energy of the room became very intense. All of a sudden, as a speaker, you know, standing on stage in that very moment, again, what do you do? What do you need to remember? And what do you need to do? Okay, a couple of thoughts. One is, and this sounds crazy, but in some respects, I'm thinking to myself, Awesome. I am so glad that you asked that incredibly difficult, uncomfortable, embarrassing question. And the reason I say this is because in many respects, that gives me a chance to kind of show the, the group what I can do and shine. So in other words, obviously, point being, I now have a challenge to face. And my first, my first step to respond there is to let people know, you know, that doesn't, that's not going to phase me. I'm okay with the fact that, you know, you feel, um, uncomfortable or angry or frustrated, or the, the, it comes out maybe in an attacking voice. So for example, you know, there's an old saying, I guess you can say, I can't add anything else to my container if it's full. So part of, especially if I'm dealing with an emotional group or maybe an emotionally charged topic or a subject matter that has a, a lot of diversity and, and can promote, you know, some, some intense discussion. The first, my first uh, step there is going to be to let people know, and I'm going to do this non-verbally. But to let people know I'm comfortable with, with the fact that 
you're asking me these questions. And I'll, I'll just kind of illustrate this simply by, uh, you know, a simple example. I'm from Chicago, Illinois. There's an old talk show host named Phil Donahue who used to do these uh, talk shows in Chicago. He's Phil Donahue's almost like the original Jerry Springer in some respects. And, you know, this goes way back. And I used to watch the Phil Donahue show. And what was funny was at the end of the show, Phil would, you know, open things up for comments from the guests. And it was funny that these, these guests and these, you know, audience members would personally attack Phil. It'd be like, you know, I, I would offer you the microphone. Yeah, what is your, yeah, what is your thought? And well, yeah, Phil, thank you. My thought is this. I think you're an idiot. I think, you know, that, that based on some of the comments you've made earlier, you clearly have no understanding for the, the magnitude of this particular topic and on and on. And Phil would, would hear that and he'd go, okay, great. Thank you. Yes, over here. Totally unfazed. So my first step in that process, let people know I'm comfortable with that. And I'm going to just, you know, I'm just going to be just authentic and human. And I'm just going to go ahead and recognize that, you know, this is somebody who is feeling a certain way and they're going to, that, that may have come out that way. And I can, I can say this too, and I'm, I'm watching my time as well, but I can say this. I've had people too, I've worked with great people, great employees, caring, but they ask you a question, you're going to feel beat up. You know, it's just the way, it's just a personality. So I'm going to, I'm going to rise to the occasion. My first response is I'm going to be composed and, and, and respectful. My second part there is going to be, I want to understand what the question is. And I may even, this also may sound kind of crazy, Joanne, but this even may be a strategy. I'm not going to be fearful of whatever's going to come out. And if I sense that maybe you were asking me something challenging and putting me on the spot, if I sense other people feel that way, I may even take it a step further and even stir the pot even more by saying, you know, Joanne, first of all, thank you for sharing your thoughts. You know, obviously I can, I can, I can tell the fact that you have some emotion behind this by, you know, just out of curiosity, by a show of hands, who else feels the same way Joanne does? And I might get a bunch of other people saying that, you know, so now we're really, we've elevated from just a, a bunch of, you know, talk back and forth to now I'm validating people's feelings and emotions to help them feel respected. And I think that's where we can actually have a good dialogue between, you know, what we want to talk about and, 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 um, and how we can move further down the road and have some authentic discussions. So those are the things I'm thinking about. But again, on my mind, most importantly, I'm thinking, I want to give you a chance to kind of, you know, say your piece. I'm not going to let you dominate and I'm not going to let you take things over, but I'm, I'm going to give you a chance to kind of share your thoughts. Now, if, if I feel like other people feel the same way, I may pull them in too. And I'm going to let some, I'm going to try and again, let people empty their containers a little bit before I address them. So I'll sum it up that way. That's beautiful. And I love that because you talk, you mentioned authenticity because, you know, when we think of, you know, when we are, let's say when we are in front of people, we feel like we cannot be ourselves. We have to be someone else. We have to put out a front, you know, because now I'm a speaker, you know, I'm, I'm this, you know, version of myself. So, but being authentic, it seems like it's the great, one of the strategies I would say to, to build that real genuine and, you know, authentic connection with who you are speaking with. So now I want to talk about how do we build that connection? You know, how do we engage with our audience? Because um, a lot of times we don't, you know, now, nowadays we know that in, in the world today with social media and everything, our attention span is getting shorter and shorter and shorter. So how do we hold, how do we grab someone's attention first and then hold their attention throughout the entire talk, throughout the entire presentation? Because it can be as long as like one, two hours. So how do we keep, people engage and entertain even though we are not that experienced even though we are not that entertaining and nobody just you know nobody laughs laughs at the uh, the jokes that i make how do we how do we keep them engaged <laughs> i have that problem all the time so i'll 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 provide two recommendations the first one is just, you know, generally speaking, how to, if I have my message, you know, how do I hold your attention? And, and this is more of a strategy you could, you could say to that motivational speakers use, you know, bottom line is exactly as you said, join your attention span, especially as an adult. And even in this day and age, you know, seems to dwindle and, and get smaller, you know, every day that goes by. So that being said, one of the things that I, I, I will recognize, you know, is after five, six minutes or whatever the case, if I find myself kind of going through a long stretch of lecture, then I'm going to need to kind of spice things up a little bit. And, and what I'm going to do, I call it the attention getting model, two-step process. I'm going to share something interesting and I'm going to tie it to a point. And I'm not sure if you've ever heard the movie uh, or ever seen the movie Mary Poppins, but there's a song in the movie Mary Poppins where she's, and I'm not going to sing it, 
but the song says a spoonful of sugar helps the medicine go down. So essentially what's happening is you as the speaker, especially in a technical environment, you're sharing your, your medicine. You got to figure out a way to help them help that medicine go down. And one of the ways you can do that in an extremely powerful way that's, you know, proven beyond, you know, beyond uh, uh, thousands of years worth of proof is by weaving in some kind of an anecdote or a story. So, for example, simple, simple example. I just came across a LinkedIn article uh, the other uh, a couple weeks ago, and it, it just said simply uh, it referenced Jimmy James Stewart, Jimmy Stewart, the famous actor you know, who did, uh, it's a wonderful life and just kind of, you know, fresh off the holidays. And the tagline basically said, you know, Jimmy Stewart donated all of his memorabilia to a university, Brigham Young University in Utah. And the question was, well, why? Because Jimmy Stewart was not a Mormon. He was not an alum. He had no affiliation whatsoever with the school. And his response was because they asked. And that being said, what I could do, which is exactly what I'm doing right now, is I can go ahead and as I've been talking for a while, I can go and share an anecdote, a story, a, a, a quotation to get your attention. There's the sugar. Now, you know, then I kind of got your attention. I, I've elevated your awareness and attention. And now I go ahead and hit you with the point. You know, and the point in that situation was maybe I get into a discussion on some of the things we need to be asking our customers. You know, if we expect to be successful, then just like Brigham Young University, all we have to do is ask. So that may be the tie into my point, which gets me into my strategies on uh, on selling or negotiation or whatever the case is, but I kind of connect that to ask. That's number one. The second point is simply this, and this kind of goes to your entertainment idea. And, th and this is something to, if anybody, you know, for me, I always recommend my classes write this down. The secret to holding people's attention is simply this. When people talk, they think they have had a good time. So when people talk, they think they have had a good time. So that being said, I can try and hold your attention for a while, but ultimately in order for me to go ahead and build in more of that attention in your engagement, I'm gonna have to get you talking. And I know I've, I've talked a lot on this, this, our discussion here, but the bottom line is, if, if we're in a class, I'm going to get you more involved in talking. So I have one of two ways to do that. One is I can ask you questions. Or two, if we have a large audience who's shy and doesn't want to, you know, feel is doesn't want to contribute, I'll go ahead and strategically pair everybody up. And I might say, okay, I want you to pair, uh, work with the person next to you, and I want you to answer this one question. So by default, if I'm sitting in an auditorium next to you, we have to talk. So now my energy level goes up because I'm talking. And then I can go and start to solicit responses from the group as a whole, and that gets them talking even more. But again, simply put, to hold people's attention, you want to find a way to get them talking because when people talk, they think they've had a good time. Wow, that's so powerful. And actually, it's one of the questions that I wanted to ask because, you know, um, you mentioned about shy and shy audience. So, you know, the problem with the audience in my region, you know, here around Asia is that the dynamic is very different from the audience in the West. And I'm sure you, you are aware of that. So the problem here is that we are more shy and we don't want to get attention. We No one wants to sit in the front row and no one wants to raise their hand and answer any question. And, you know, whenever I, because I attended a lot of uh, public speaking, uh, sorry, public events in the past, you know, before COVID, um, in-person events. So whenever the speaker asks a question, the room just went into like dead silence. So if you had a chance speaking to audience in Asia, you would know what I mean, because this is what a lot of speakers or trainers, you know, they are saying after traveling around the world to speak. So I know you kind of answered that question, but I want to go even deeper into that because it, it's knowing your audience again, um, kind of like go back to what we have mentioned in the very beginning. Um, it's knowing your audience, the very first step towards delivering an engaging presentation and how do you engage if let's say your audience are really they are shy and they're just not as responsive yeah so i i could offer two additional thoughts on that one and, and i like that you kind of brought us back to that audience analysis piece so i'll have i'll have two approaches there and i know i'm getting this 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 uh uh um sense of twos right now i'm, I'm starting to feel it so I'll try and divert if I can to a different number. But so on the one hand, 
if I have a chance to send out a pre-class survey, I'll do that. Let's say I don't have the do chance to do that. I'm going to actually, after I do my formal introduction, I'm going, to, I'm going to share something interesting, tie it to a point. And then I'm going to say, before I even go any further, I'm going to say, okay, you know, I'm going to spend time today talking to you about public speaking. Before I go any further, let me ask you, what are you most interested in learning when it comes to public speaking? So if I get no, so that's, so I want to know again, because I don't want to, I want the battle won before it's fought. I want to know what the people are looking for. Now, if I get no responses from that situation, I'm just going to break people up into table groups. All right, let me get you, let me break you up into five table groups, depending on the numbers. And all I want you to do is I want you to come up with the top five things you want to get out of today's class as a table. So now, instead of in it being in front of a lot of people, so now it's just us, you and me, and a couple of other people at our, our circle, our, our uh, round table talking. You know, somebody's going to write down the five things we're looking for. And then I'm just going to go in, okay, table one, what'd you come up with? And I'm going to write them on the flip chart. So now, so now people have gotten a chance to share in a safer environment that feels more comfortable. So that's going to be one of the things I'm looking at. Uh, and, and, and so to kind of connect the dots there, audience analysis. The second thing I'm going to be looking at, and this is more of a subtle, uh, it's more of a subtle approach, but just like talking with you, I can, I'm kind of, you know, seeing your body language. I mean, my brain's doing that anyway. I'm kind of getting a sense for, okay, I think I'm losing her here. I better, you know, uh, you know, I really, she really seemed to like that point and so on. So that being said, I may say, as I'm talking, you know, uh, excuse me, ma'am, looks like you're, you're disagreeing with what I'm saying, or looks like you have, you know, some other thoughts on that. So I'm inviting you in, you haven't said anything, but I can just tell based upon your reactions, you're, you're having, you know, some feelings about this topic. I'm going to invite you in, in a safe environment. And one of two things is going to happen. You're either going to say, well, yeah, actually my, I do have a thought on this, or I don't think that's right, or, you know, whatever. Or you might say, no, I'm just, hey, I'm just, I just scratching my ear. Okay, great. And I'm going to move on. But I am going to be aware at that level, you know, almost like a silent auction, any kind of movement or thoughts or facial expressions. Again, just as a person, you can, you can interpret those, but I'm going to use that as an opportunity to invite you into a conversation so I can pull out some of those thoughts, you know, from you. And that may be, may be a bit of a risk on my part, but, but, but I, you know, I will do it in a respectful way. And if it doesn't work out, that's okay too. Now, because, you know, now we have moved on to speaking more on Zoom, let's say, like virtual events or like online meetings. What are some of your tips for, for that? Because, yeah, I mean, this is the future, right? See, we are connected because of uh, the pandemic and you are in the US, I'm in Singapore. It's like, well, we are connected. So what are some of your tips for people who are now speaking more on online and instead of like in-person events? I'll give you a couple quick tips. Uh, more than two. So one is that you want to have your light source in front of you. So if, if I like I have a little ring light right here, if I had it behind me, I'd look a lot worse. I look a lot older, which I don't need. So I want to have my light source in front of me. That's going to put me in, in the most attractive uh, sense when it comes to, you know, my appearance uh, aesthetically, visually, when it comes to the Zoom call. That's number one. Number two is I want to figure out where do I have to look on my screen so that it appears like I'm giving you direct eye contact. So, you know, Joanne, I'm really not looking at you per se. I'm right now if, to give the impression I'm making good eye contact. I'm looking at a spot right here. Ironically, if I look into my camera, it looks like I'm looking over your head. So I got to figure out where my spot is on the screen to make it look like I'm giving you direct eye contact. And my third and final recommendation is, and this sounds crazy and it feels weird, but it, it, it matters is smile. And I know I've probably smiled just on this, this call. I've probably smiled 40 times. I I've smiled way more than I smile in my normal life, walking around just in, in the world on this call than I ever do anywhere else. And I say that to say, you know, that again, makes, makes me come across as more likable, more engaging, more enthusiastic, and, and again, more attractive. So those are things I want to be thinking about. And, and, and I can tell you this too, it's not just going to happen. I have to practice, you know, being, uh, uh, you know, working in those smiles. And I may just have to tell myself, hey, you haven't smiled in a while, smile. And, and just do that until you kind of get used to it being in more of a natural flow. And just watch any entertainers or talk show hosts, whatever the case is, broadcasters on TV. They almost perpetually have the, when they're not speaking, they're kind of, de their default is into a smile situation. It looks natural and inviting, but it doesn't just happen. So those would be my three recommendations when it comes to virtual presentations. Thank you. And now, because, you know, 
um, let's say if we are if we are delivering a group uh, training, for example, and because we, we need to see our audience, but now we can't because some of them, they are shy and they don't, it's again, you know, those are the shy ones and they don't turn on their camera. So there's no way you can see their emotions. You can see their expression. You don't even know whether they are, what they are doing behind the camera. You don't know whether they are checking, they are, you know, like scrolling through their social media or they are actually listening to you. So how do we make sure we are actually engaging with our audience? They are listening. And how do you, how do you do that? Not, not an ideal. And I, and I can tell you, you know, maybe as I um, acquire more experience, you know, the, the virtual reality is not my ideal setting either. But that being said, I'm definitely growing with the times. So I'm going to do, in some respects, kind of defer to some of the things I would do with a live face-to-face audience. One option I have is, and back to the authenticity, you know, I'm going to say, you know, right now, quite frankly, I'm, not, I'm looking at all these cameras that have been turned off. I, I'd like you to turn your cameras on because right now I'm not sure if you're with me. In order for this to be time well spent, you know, I need to have you with me and, and I need to be able to kind of see your reactions. So that'll pull half the people back, let's say. Another uh, strategy I'll utilize for success because some of the stuff I've done online has been for 50 or more people. So that, you know, getting everybody's camera and trying to see all the, you know, the people in the, in the grid is very challenging. So, you know, working with larger numbers, I'm again going to go back to my table groups. You know, I put you in a group of uh, 10 groups of three or, or, you know, 20 groups of three, whatever I need to do. There's kind of no hiding when it's just kind of a small group, you know, so it's almost like, you know, turn your cameras on. I can go into different groups and, and comment. But, you know, and I think there's in, in some respects, I, I agree, the cultural differences, you know, will kind of dictate how I approach this or how it, it's received. But my general approach is always going to be, I'm going to break up into uh, groups of three. I'd like you all to make sure your cameras are on so you can, you know, show respect and you can help connect with the uh, the people you're talking with. And here's what I'd like you to do once you're in those groups. So it's harder to hide when two of us have our cameras on, the other one doesn't. So that's an, another strategy I can use to kind of influence you from that standpoint. And, and just, and, and I think just lastly, it's going to come down to you know, back to the authenticity, you know, I, I'm going to try and help people recognize what's the value. Do I want to see you on camera just because I think that's the right thing to do? Or is there some purpose I need to be able to see you with, with public speaking, you know, again, it's going to come down to, I need to be able to see your reaction, but I can also see what your setup is. I can see where most people may have their camera down. They're looking down at the camera. We've got to change that when it comes to your presentation. So I can evaluate, you know, what's your setup, what your studio is like, if I can see you. So there's real world value in making sure that your camera's on when I'm doing a public speaking development class. Thank you so much. Now, the last question that I want to ask, or I would say the last topic that we want to discuss is how do we start? Because, um, yeah, I what I'm hearing from you, what I'm learning from you so far is that we need to ask questions in order to engage. It's one of the ways to engage with our audience. And other than that, you know, so do we start a presentation with questions? And also, how do we conclude the presentation with a bang? Because, you know, yes, your content is important. You know your stuff. You know what you're going to say. But you have to, I believe, um, you have to first build that trust and rapport with, with them. Then they will decide if they are going to listen to, to you, right? To listen to your talk. And many people neglected it because, and they go straight into delivering the, the content, you know, the presentation, which is fine. But I would say the results are not so effective and or they might not get the results they actually desire. So how do you usually start the presentation? Is it always with questions or there are some other ways to do it, like storytelling, like telling a story, you know? And again, how do we make a great impression as a speaker? How do we, because we all know we can never have a second chance to make a first impression. So what are some of your for that. I'm glad you asked that. And let me ask you a question. What do most speakers say in the first few minutes of the presentation? What are usually the first few things that it comes out of a speaker's mouth? You mean a good one or the bad one? <laughs> yeah, anybody, anybody, like what, what do most speakers do? How, how do they normally start the presentation? What's the first few words they usually say? I am, you know, hi, my name is blah, 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 or I am, a, you know, blah, blah, blah. So that's what I've noticed a lot of speakers say. Perfect. Exactly. And, and that's exactly, we all know that. We all know most speakers start the presentation of, hi, my name is, good morning. We're here to talk about blah, blah, blah. And that's not wrong, but it's not very 
it's not it, it's very anticlimactic. So I've kind of checked out because I know exactly what to expect in the first. You know, the bathrooms are over here. We're gonna break for lunch at eleven. All that business. I you know fine. I'm not even I'm not even registering that you're speaking right now. So that being said, I don't want people that I work with to be like most speakers. I want you to be above that. So my recommendation is to go right into your message. So for example, I might say if I'm doing like a, you know, very, uh, I've been using a, uh, and I change them around, but I'm using a, a uh, an introduction lately. I might say something like, um, my guess is, is, is uh, most like, well, put it this way. If, if we're here in a class, first question I'm going to ask, first thing out of my mouth, you'll introduce me to this Patrick O'Meara. I'm going to say, by a show of hands, who here's ever broken a world record? Okay, no one? Well, I'm going to give you a chance to do exactly that. Believe it or not, there's actually a world record for the most number of finger snaps in 60 seconds. And we're going to try and break that record this morning. So here's how it works. So here are the, the, here are the guidelines. And then I'm going to have you do it. So point being, my first thing out of my mouth was, by a show of hands, who has ever broken a world record? Or I might say something like, Read an article the other day on LinkedIn about Jimmy Stewart, the famous actor, blah, blah, blah. I'm going right into my point. I'm not, there's no fluff. I'm not going to be like, hey, let me tell you a story. I'm going to go right into it. Then I'm going to tie it to a point that I'm, that'll uh, set me up for the theme. And then I'm going to say, hi, everybody. My name is Patrick O'Meara. Good morning. Glad to see you. The bathrooms are over there. We're going to break for lunch at 11 o'clock, whatever. I'm just going to switch it around and I'll bet you a cookie, Joanne. The first time you try that, it's going to get people to go, whoa, that was pretty good because it gets people's attention. It's clean, it's impactful, and it's, a, it's not expected. And that's what you're looking for. So that would be my recommendation in terms of how to start a presentation with a bang. And how do we end it? How do we conclude the presentation? I have, you know, I think in the ideal flow is, well, let me ask you, how do most people conclude their presentation? What do they say? Um, here's my website, you know, here is my, here's where you can find me. And if you have any question or most people end it with like a Q and A. Exactly. Exactly. So again, I don't want you to be like most speakers. So what I'd say is rather than ending with Q and A, which means it's like, you don't know what you're going to get. You know, you may have even had a high energy, powerful, impactful presentation going along. And then all of a sudden you get to the Q and A just kind of fizzles. Maybe you get no questions you're like, and you're expecting some, so it's almost like crickets. Or maybe you get a question, you know, especially to, you know, if you have a, a more conservative audience in Asia, that may not be, you know, part of the protocol where you may got, not get any questions. So now you're kind of pausing up there. You got no questions. In some respects, it kind of fizzled out. Or maybe you get a challenging question that kind of, you know, made me look bad or I couldn't answer or whatever the case, some, somehow or another, it didn't play out well. And that's kind of what the audience, you know, that's how it ends. So that's the last experience we have is something of a, a downer or a negative. My my response to that is I want I don't want to give that control to the audience. I want to be I want to control that. So the second and last thing I'm going to do is I'm going to say I'm going to you know I've got one last thought to leave you with. But before I do, do you have any questions? And I can get some or not or hard ones or easy ones, whatever it doesn't matter, because I'm going to end it on my terms. And then I'm going to close with attention getting model. I'm going to share something interesting and I'm going to tie it to a point. So I'm going to share a story. I'm going to tell a joke. I'm going to do an activity. I'm going to share a statistic, a quotation, and I'm going to tie that to a point I want you to walk away with and then drop the microphone. I love that. Thank you so much. I would, I will use it because actually tomorrow I have another, I have a, uh, I'm doing a training. So I will use that. Um, thank you so much. Um, this has been such a wonderful and informative, you know, conversation. I'm so glad that you are here today. And so, is there anything that you want to share and perhaps I didn't let you or didn't ask you? Yeah, well, simply, I would just say just in the, in the spirit of public speaking success is two things, three things. One is the only way you're going to get better is by experimenting. And that means stepping outside your comfort zone. Number two is the, the beauty of public speaking is that if you experiment and something goes wrong, now you've not only learned something, but now you got a war story, which actually you can add to your public speaking library. And my final thought is simply this. One of the, the beautiful things about public speaking, especially if I'm speaking to a variety of audiences on a similar topic, is the more I experiment and try stuff, 
the more I, I refine my message and and my preparation time gets gets uh, cut in half. So in other words, I may do a one hour presentation on tennis and I will try stories and you know examples and processes and maybe video clips and whatever the case is. And what I'll see is maybe I tell a story or tell a joke and that didn't quite go quite the way I planned. And I tried this and that worked out pretty good or here's something I didn't expect, but it worked out good. So now I, I, I do the same message two or three or four times. Well, my preparation time was here at the first one and it goes down and down and down. So now maybe come my fifth presentation, my preparation time is minimal. Just like I've been doing these two day workshops and you know my preparation essentially is uh, other than logistical stuff is just show up. So as opposed to you know spending weeks putting this this program together. So my last thought is simply this: make sure you utilize and capitalize on the stuff you try and experiment with in, in programs or presentations. That stuff that you're you can help you you can help use to uh, populate your library. And the more you have in the library, the less preparation time you'll need for future presentations. I love that because it's so like after. Because it's what we often don't do. Like after we have delivered a presentation, we don't usually do self-reflection. What worked, what didn't work. And what, you know, so I think it's really important as speaker ourselves, you know, to really reflect on how it went and what are some of the things that it worked and we can, you know, pull it out and put into a library, like you said, you know, resources. So next time I'm going to use this again and to see if it works. If it works, great. That means it's proven to work. So thank you so much for highlighting that point. And so we are going to end with our final five rapid fire questions. So every question has to be answered in one word or one sentence maximum. Okay. Okay. So the first question is, what is one thing that you wish you knew earlier? Since I only have one word, I got to think about this. Uh, taking more risks. Mm, I love that. Second question. If you could live your life all over again, what would you do differently? I would take more risks. <laughs> is it going to be the same answer? So funny. Okay. Third question. What is something you are trying to learn or curious about right now? I'm trying to learn uh, things that I'm trying to be comfortable being uncomfortable. Wow. Okay. Interesting. I thought you would be like, I'm, I'm learning how to take more risks, but I'm glad it's not. <laughs> the next question is, if you have five minutes and the whole world were listening to you, what would you say? I would say that we're don't, uh, don't give in to our, our limitations, you know, uh, our, our limitations tend to be self-imposed and you want to change your mindset to where you go beyond those. And one of the things that I'm looking, I'm, I'm really involved in right now from a goal setting standpoint is set the goal and, and don't worry about how you're going to get there. Once you've set the goal, things will work out to help you attain that goal. Amazing. Okay, now the last question is, what brings you joy? This sounds totally nerdish, but public speaking and, and, and really helping other people with their public speaking. And I, and I say this sincerely, Joanne, I want you to try that conclusion tomorrow or in the introduction that the process we talked about, and I want you to let me know how it goes. Yes, most definitely. I'm, I'm going to actually do the preparation later today, uh, you know, um, and I will let you know. I will, this just... This is just like the, the perfect time for us to connect and I actually learning and asking you questions. And yeah, I'm so excited. So thank you so much again uh, for taking your time out in your evening. And I'm sure a lot of people want to get to know you more or they want to attend your workshop. So where can I send people to you? I would say probably the best thing, especially if we're looking at you know an international audience. You know, I'm in uh, Alabama, I'm, I'm Birmingham, Alabama. I would say connect with me on LinkedIn, you know, that we can start a dialogue. You can kind of see my background, my comments, I post stuff, uh, my videos, et cetera. And it's just Patrick, P-A-T-R-I-C-K, O'Mara, O apostrophe, capital M-A-R-A. And that's the easiest thing to do. Connect with me on LinkedIn and we'll go from there. Great. So do you um, conduct uh, online workshop? Do you do that? 
I do. Yeah, most of my stuff uh, historically has been face-to-face uh, -face workshops where I travel to clients and deliver workshops. But over the last year and a half, I, I do online programs. I actually do uh, some two-day public speaking development workshops uh, virtually. So it really doesn't matter. You know, I'm in my basement one way or another, and it doesn't matter where you are as long as you have a camera and a computer. Yeah, it's the beauty of the pandemic. You know, we get to connect with people, we get to attend workshops from another, you know, another part of another side of the world, and which is so beautiful. So, all right, guys, I hope you love this episode. Go follow Patrick, go to his website, you know, go connect with him on LinkedIn and check out all the amazing things that he's doing. And if you are not following me, follow me on Instagram at joyan.chan and tell me and Patrick, what is your biggest takeaway from this episode? And if you haven't subscribed yet, hit the subscribe button so you never miss another episode. And I will always leave you the same way as I leave you with every other episode. Show up. The world needs you and you need you. Thanks for listening. And I wish you all a joyful and amazing day ahead. Thanks again to our sponsor, Get the Law of Attraction. Remember to follow them for daily spiritual enrichment and encouragement on their Instagram. If your spiritual ice cream cone is melting a bit, visit them for a fresh scoop of your favorite flavor of spiritual encouragement and insights. Their information is in the show notes. Please follow and support them. DM them on Instagram with promo code JOYAN, J-O-Y-A-N for some valuable free gifts and discounts. Hey guys, I hope you love this episode. If you love this episode, take a screenshot of this and share it on your IG stories and tell me what is your biggest takeaway? Remember to tag me at findjoyvjoyan underscore podcast so that we can connect with you. And if you would like to support me personally and support my mission, then please help us rate and review the podcast at Apple Podcast. I read all of them. And until next time, my friend, show up. The world needs you and you need you. You need the best version of yourself every single day. So always strive to be the best you can be in this present moment. Again, thanks for listening. And I will soon be back with another guest in the next episode.